familia, this is your girl Olalis Jasmine and you're listening to Hella Latino. So I have to tell y'all, this is the second time I'm sitting down with Valesca to talk about her story and both times I'm just like, wow, this girl, she gets it. And I hope each of you feel the same way after listening. I'm talking today to Valesca Ramirez, a daughter of immigrants, Dominican immigrants, proud first-generation Latina and fearless advocate from New Jersey. She has 12 plus years of experience in higher education, working with students of diverse backgrounds from low-income households. As a proud educational opportunity fund program alum herself, she understands the importance of serving and supporting students on their academic journey. Because of this, she's also the founder and executive director of Generation Fearless, where she is responsible for the vision, the strategy, and the efforts of the organization which aims to empower, uplift, and help first-generation women navigate all stages of their lives. Are y'all ready? Let's get into it. Story cuts. Yeah, the sabes, I know you have a lot there, so. Thank you, thank you. I'm so excited. <laughs> Y'all, this episode, I have to preface it by saying that I had to, I, something happened with the last audio file, Valesca and I, this is the second time we're meeting, and this is the second time we're gonna hear her beautiful, beautiful story, and I'm just so excited. She has a shirt on that says Fearless Trailblazer, and I feel like that's exactly who you are, but. I want to yeah. ask you the first question, girl. How do you identify and why? Um, so I think the first thing I always identify as being first-gen Latina, um, because I think that is at the core of who I am and my lived experience and everything. Um, and I always add in there that I also identify as um, only child, because I think that's also part of my <laughs> experience. <laughs> um, and I think cultural dynamics and all of that clearly has an impact. Um, I am Dominican. Mm-hmm. Um, so that my mom and dad are both from the Dominican Republic. Um, and I think that a part of also my identity is being um, from the North, right? I'm from New Jersey. I think our experiences mm. are a little bit different when you look at the Latino experience or the first-gen experience across the United States and what that looks yeah. like. So definitely Latina, first-gen, being from North Jersey. Um, I think that's kind of uh, being an only child is what makes me who I am. Um, mm. And that's just, I think, where my identities are grounded in. Oh, my. So right now I'm like, there's five different paths in your story <laughs> that I can go through. of like only child, North Jersey, like I, there's so many places I want to start. But I think one of the beautiful things that you just said is sometimes our environment has so much to do with who we are. And mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up in California, you grew up in North Jersey. I'm sure just that alone, there's so many differences in how we maneuver in this world. Absolutely. And I'm curious, and I this is also what I say, I, I think so much of our identity is rooted in our parents and, and mm-hmm. their sacrifice and their story. Absolutely. And I mean, it's the generational cycles, right? Yeah. I'm curious to hear from your parents, your parents, Dominicanos, how did they go to North Jersey? What's that immigration story? Of course. So my mom, my mom's an only child too. So that's why I think it's such a big part of my identity. <laughs> I <laughs> because I'm an only child raped by an only child. Um, and it's always been me, my mom, and my grandma. So my mom got here. Um, she was raised in the Dominican Republic until about her late 20s, early 30s. That's when she came over. Um, so I, I think we don't always acknowledge like what that really looks like for our families, right? We understand right. the sacrifice, but I cannot imagine in my late 20s, early 30s, when I am my own person going then, leaving everything I know, right? Coming to mm. a different country where you don't know the language, the culture, and then all of a sudden end up in a relationship and have a child and then trying to navigate all of that. Um, mm. It is just so much props, you know what I mean, that I give my mom that I think younger me didn't always understand those sacrifices. I yeah. understood there was a sacrifice, but it's like they don't sit us down and they're like, "Mija, I sacrificed so much for you." <laughs> you know, at seven years old, I say, "Como, okay." <laughs> yeah, like I know, I get it. But the older I get, and I'm like, "You did what now?" Like, yeah. you did all these yeah. things for me. Um, my mom has has always put me first. So we put our family first. Um, she is absolutely amazing. And I like every mom. She gets on my last nerve, but I don't know who I would be <laughs> or how I would function um, without her. Um, but she came here directly to New York, then transferred over to here to New Jersey. And she, I was a sick baby. So she was 
always having to leave work because something was wrong with Alaska. So she ended up being, um, leaving, you know, work and then being able to stay home and then figuring it out. Right. Because we don't have the luxury Mm -hmm. a lot of the times just to stay home. Um, so she became a childcare provider. Um, so she used to babysit all the kids um, in the neighborhood, oh my you know, kids being dropped <laughs> off at five o'clock in the morning. Um, so even though I'm an old child, as a kid, I always grew up being responsible, I think, for other kids and helping mom as much as I could. Um, and she became a baker. So I, the way that she always paid rent into care, she always made it work, right? By taking care of the kids, making cakes on the weekend. And when I was little, it was just cakes and souvenirs and piñatas and, you know, todo lo que se podía hacer in order to, like, get the... O sea, era una fiesta todos los días. Yeah, she was always making it work. Um, and again, I'm so... With all those sacrifices, I became... She I, she got me through college. She got me through, yeah. you know, right now. And even now, I'm, I'm 36 and mommy is still, like... Like, she's always still bringing something to the house. There's no... Even in college, they used to make someone like, oh, my God, she's coming. Because she would bring bandejas of food because oh she didn't God. understand why people lived on college and had to, like, eat food on campus. Um, and that was her contribution, right, of not understanding culture, university. She couldn't help yeah. me with homework that stopped when I was very young. But when I got to college, she helped in how she could, right? She couldn't give me money. We didn't have it. Um, so she would make, you know, uh, some rice and empanadas and, you know, pasta and just bring it for me and my friends and. I appreciate those sacrifices. Um, yeah. Even though sometimes I'm like, oh, I didn't need that food and I didn't need this. But the older I get, I learned that was how she was going to add and that's how she was going to contribute, yeah. which I think is so part of our culture, right? We're going to figure yeah. out a way that if, even if it's just a little bit, we're going to add. And she knew she couldn't pay for school and she couldn't help me navigate, but she can, you know, pick up my laundry, even though I said no, and she could bring food for me and my <laughs> friends and she can drive me from one part of campus to the other. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for those things because not everyone gets those opportunities of a parent being involved as much as she could. Um, yeah. And even I was frustrated. She didn't understand my journey or when I, I have a sociology, like you're going to do what now? And you're going like, to oh intern God. at a prison. And she's like, you know, she would cry all the time. Why are you doing this to me? Why are you interning on a prison? Oh like, why God. are these the things you want to do? But still, she never, I was very lucky. She never pushed me in any direction. She yeah. was just as supportive as she could be. Um, So I'm so grateful. And, you know, That's it's so still beautiful. the same now. That's so beautiful. Yeah. And I think so much of our culture, too, is food is food is not just love. It's our currency. Like, yes. we can't give a lot. But, girl, I don't know how many times I grew up thinking I was rich because my mom always had food on the table. Yeah, She always brought, like, all the kids from the neighborhood would come over and, like, we would have dinner at my mom's. My mom always threw the parties. I just found out later in life that she was selling food at those parties. That's how mm-hmm. she made That's her money. And it's just, I, I think it's, there's so much there of like, it's not just in the culture that food is such a big part of, but like, it's also our parents are as much sacrifices as they made. I think like they were so giving. And yes, so always. like, it's, that's the part to me that's so inspiring. Like, despite what they went through, they never lost the part that I almost like keeps them sane, right? Like the part of themselves that's like, this is what my parents did. Yeah, these are things that we value. And I think it's just, it's so beautiful because like you said, my, does your mom know what you do now? Uh, She don't. She she don't get it. (laughs) She doesn't. I I didn't realize I was poor until I got to college, right? Because you're right. We always had food and it might have been a little bit. And sometimes there was rice and eggs, but it wasn't, I never thought anything of it. We lived in the hood, but mommy, Fed every all the kids in the building, and we always right. have. So it didn't, it didn't click until I got to college, and I'm in the hoopty, or somebody's like crying, and oh, my mom paid a credit card, and you're like, "Mommy gave me twenty dollars, and this better stretch right. out." Like, and I'm happy I got my twenty dollars. I got like fifty cents a day. Like, yeah, like the same, the same happened. Um, but does she understand now? No. And I originally started in social service. I uh, know. Mm. And then I worked at a university. Now the same university I attended. I worked for the same program that I was part of that made me who I am. I'm a proud EOF um, alumni because that's what made me like, that's what got me through college. So the work that I do yeah. within higher education, as well as my nonprofit is very personal to me. Um, but to my mom, it's, Ella ayuda a Carmen. Carmen is my boss. Yeah. He used to make out good. So ella siempre está con los muchachos. She's always with the kids and she helps Carmen. And I'm like, sometimes I'm like, I'm an associate director. I'm a founder of a nonprofit. Like I do these things, and she's just like, "Ella ayuda a los niños." Like, and oh if anybody God. in the neighborhood has a 
college question, a school question, anything. She's just like gives out my number. Go ask her. Like she should mm. be able to help. So girl, doesn't that fill your cup? Like how does yeah. how does that feel? Like you yeah. you you girl, you done made it out there. And like it's <laughs> I think it's that part that's so beautiful. Like you are now the resource. And yes. when did you I'm sure that you probably struggled to find resources for yourself when Absolutely. you were going through it. And like I'm a big believer in just because it had you, you know, it was hard for you. It doesn't mean it has to be hard for the next folks coming in. It shouldn't be. It should not be. It and you're like, be. girl, that's I what I do day out. in and day out. <laughs> yeah. If, if I figured it out and that I never understand people that, well, someone I struggle. So someone has to struggle too. I don't understand that thought process. If I figured it out girl. and I have answers, my job, my responsibility, and I don't know if it's from the communities we come from, being first generation or things culturally taught, that it, I have a responsibility. I would say I have a responsibility to young women. I have responsibility right. to young professionals, to first generation, to Latinas, to people of color, because we, the, our systems are not in place to support us. So if I was able to figure out something that I can just share, and it may not be fully helpful for them, but they can grab something for themselves, take some of that and move forward like, we're supposed right. to do that. <laughs> We're supposed right. To yeah. Oh my God. Who was I telling the other day? I was I was sitting down with them. I'm like, you know, just because I grew up poor, I'm not gonna look at my kids and be like, well, you're gonna grow up poor because mommy grew yeah, up poor I and like you should that. not Yeah, if I can put in this. Like yeah. I think there's there's an obvious difference, but like yeah. I would I would never, you know what I mean? And I think it's maybe maybe something deeper that we need to talk about in terms of like folks that do that. But I think it's beautiful work that you're doing in helping the community get get through these systems because girl you already know it's hard it's yeah, hard absolutely. these systems are hard and let's talk about north jersey paint the picture for me of what it was like for little paleska to grow up in north jersey what did that look like <laughs> um i think uh, well, i was born and raised in Pasek, new jersey and now i live i have lived in patterson for about um, 10 plus years. So they're mm. neighboring towns. They're both urban areas, predominantly Latino, um, both low income. Um, so I think that so much part of my identity because I understand the struggle at the core. Um, like yeah. I said, I didn't realize that I was poor until I got to college. And that's when I started realizing all these disparities. But the older I get, the more that you understand systems, you realize how um, how fearless we are, right? And in our these communities because we continue to make it work. We continue to grow businesses we continue to raise our children to a lot of people to still help yeah. people in their native countries we continue to thrive in these places that we're not getting all the support that we're supposed to be getting um yeah. and i think that and becomes from it's from our people right that's what that's what builds these communities um mm -hmm. i wish that we were able to get more support but i think the reality the responsibility unfortunately unfortunately falls back on us because we know what it is to navigate those spaces we know what it is to come from those spaces um to be able to go back um, I think that because there's the proximity to New York City, diversity is so important in most of North Jersey, right? South Jersey may look a little different. Um, but I, <laughs> what does North, South Jersey look like? I think it's a whole lot more, it's a little bit more suburban and rural, right? Like we're looking oh, at okay. being urban, um, being like, I mean, I always say things that are components of any urban area and not ignorantly, but reality of, you know, we have laundry mats, we have barbershops, you have a couple, I have like three bodegas on my corner. Compared mm -hmm. to in more suburban area, you got to get in your car, go in somewhere. Certain things not being accessible, but education system being completely different. You know what I mean? Um, being yeah. here a little bit more crowded, less resources um, compared to the more when you move south, there is more money. There is more space. Yeah. There is more more of everything. Um, but yeah. that also means that there's less people like us. The more resources, a lot of the times, unfortunately, it's just people that look like us that that's just the reality. Mm -hmm. um, I think that my identity of being more from New Jersey, you know, I, one of the times in college I visited, I'm in a sorority, we went, um, I was sent over to Indiana and it was one of those like, oh, why do you talk like that? And I was so confused, but there's clearly oh. now, even with my, I can't help it. I talk with my hand, my neck may snap. <laughs> so it is what it is. <laughs> and yet, and you don't realize these things that are part of norm, they're not seen here as inappropriate or unprofessional. They're so much part of the personality that we have of who we are, but then the older I have gotten and the more that I work with other Latinos, luckily across the United States, our Latino experience is very different. Immigration looks very different in the North than mm -hmm. in the South. Immigration looks very different with states that border Mexico. That is just a reality. The communities, how they're built. So I think that's so part of the comfort that I have 
And it's a privilege, right? Because being in a place that is so diverse that New York, New Jersey, we celebrate these differences. Not that we don't experience racism and we don't experience all the same challenges, but there's a level, their communities are so strong. There's a level of pride and integration, I think, a little bit different than that experience of other Latinos across the United States um, that gives me this confidence and this confidence. I'm going to walk in space and I always say, I walk in in any space as Pulaska. You're going to get all of this. (laughs) It might be a little bit more toned down depending on the appropriateness of the space, but I'm always going to be an advocate for my students in the, the, in the professional settings, for first-generation women, for, for women of color, for low-income communities, because that is at the core. Those are my values. That's what I feel my purpose, right? That's what I'm here to do, yeah. to speak in these spaces if I have the privilege to be in these spaces. But I think Ooh. part of that is geographically the that chip that comes from being from North Jersey, that it's just like, Girl, you know what I got to say. Real. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say what I need to say. You might not agree. Um, right. in, a, in an attitude way, but in a, I'm going to be comfortable and confident to say those things. And not that it's, it's you know, our experience are monolithic, right? Which is something that is so challenging because everybody says that everybody's experience is the same and put us a, putting us in these boxes. But I feel that has been my experience and a lot, of, a lot of the experience of the woman that I work with, but friends yeah. and peers that the, the communities have given us that. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And I... Oh, girl, there's so many things that you're saying that are such gems. And like one thing that I love that you said that I just want to like bold italicize for folks is you just said that when you meet me, you're going to get all of me, like depending on the appropriateness of the space. Right. But you're going to get all of me. And I just want I just want everybody who's listening to hear that. And no, you can walk in any space and being 100 percent yourself. And. Another thing that you said that I want to go kind of deeper into is you're talking about your environment playing a big role. We talked about it at the beginning, but I was just talking about this for Hispanic Heritage Month because I'm like, I don't even really think I participated in Hispanic Heritage Month for a long time until I started get, getting hired for Hispanic Heritage Month. Mm. The reason being, though, I, I kind of went deeper into the why, and it was because I never saw my experience highlighted. And I never really felt like it was meant for me. Mm-hmm. And when I talk about that is, and plus I'm like, my parents never said, niña, es el mes de los hispanos. Oh my, you know, like, <laughs> it was that. No. I'm like, where did this come from? Because I didn't celebrate it growing up. Mm-hmm. And honestly, girl, like growing up in California, like I'm listening to your experience and I'm like, oh, I wonder what that would look like and feel like. I grew up in the other side of the coast, right? The other side of the country. Grew up in San Diego, which is the border, right, between yeah. Mexico and California. And so my experience was heavy and predominantly in the Mexican-American culture. And I always felt like I struggled to be seen in in how I grew up because, I mean, they love their chiles, their mariachi. And I'm like, well, we listen to punta and we like baleadas and platano, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> it was a very, very different experience. And I still feel like there's a struggle to to represent the different experiences and identities that coexist within Latinidad, right? And I think it's still a forever thing that maybe we're all working toward, but it's it's exactly what you just said. Your environment plays such a big role. And I think sometimes people try to put us in a little box like, this is Latino. All this this is, yeah, like oh. y'all all celebrate Dia de los Muertos. Y'all all do X, Y, Z. And I'm just like, uh, sir, no, we don't. We don't. And there's strong similarities across all cultures. Oh, but there's so many, so many things that at the core of each Latino country, of each, you know what I mean, culture mm-hmm. within the culture that are important, that are not relative in the sense of, in, in the sense of similarities. Um, mm-hmm. And I was lucky enough, like I grew up in a predominantly African-American, Dominican, Puerto Rican, Mexican um, town where there was a levels of diversity. But with time, it's become a little bit more predominantly of a Mexican town, but there's still so much within mm-hmm. all of our areas, right? So I'm in the state, but Clifton, Union City, all of that, that like I can go down the street and get Peruvian and there's a small Peruvian community and there's a Salvadorian community and Costa Rican and Dominican and Puerto Rican mm. and Mexican. And there's still these levels within a community of diversity that I, I know doesn't yeah. happen across the United States. That You know what I mean? And I think that shapes mm-hmm. how we are seen because in certain areas that this is all that you are seeing. That you're right. only in your vision, envisioning Latinos only like this. And there's nothing 
wrong with it being seen as Mexican-Americans or uh, Puerto right. Ricans, right? Because historically, their experience with the United States is completely different than, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, other countries. That is, historically, that is what it is. But I, I wish they gave us a little bit more credit of the diversity within our own cultures in music and yeah. food and beliefs and religion and what we find to be important. Oh, my God. And that's, girl, that's exactly why I created this podcast, because <laughs> it, it lives in our stories, right? That that, And I think that's what can really start to change that mindset of what Latinidad is and what it looks like. And it starts one story at a time. It starts with the people who are at the table. And sometimes... There is not a lot of Hondurans at those tables. There may not be a Guatemalan person at that table. There may not be a Dominican person at that table. I mean, like, I'm just thinking about so many different countries that coexist within Latin America and how much there is that beautiful thread that makes us all Latino. And there's also these beautiful differences that make us Argentinian, that make us Peruvian, that make us Dominican and Honduran. And my favorite part is when you start to relate and you're like, oh, like we listen to Quinito Mendes all the time too. You know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> that was, that was the, that was the guy. But it's so similar, but we add a little bit of this and we add a little bit of that. And yeah. then it's, just, it's still 100%. at the core Latino or Hispanic or, you know, however people choose to identify, yeah. but it is still part of a bigger community. And we deserve yeah. the credit of the difference of the differences, right? There, there's mm-hmm. value in the differences as well. I mean, yeah. I don't, you're right. We don't highlight those enough. Yeah, I'm like we're lit. We have so much <laughs> over here. We got so much sazón, so much color, so much we're beauty, nice. so much diversity, yeah. and so much that makes makes us such a special community. And so I think, yeah, like to your point, we deserve so much more of that. And I mean, <laughs> just like diversity meta experience. Like, there's also differences in where we grow up, right? Like my cousins that grew up in Miami have a very different experience than me growing up in San Diego and people growing up in Texas, people growing up in New York and Jersey and all these different places. It's all very, very different experiences. And one thing that I hear from my friend a lot, he's Puerto Rican and he talks about he wishes he would have grown up in, in the East Coast so he could have been around more of that culture. But he's like, here in California, you don't really see a lot of Puerto Ricans. You know, there's pockets of them here and there, but I didn't grow up around them. And so I think it's exactly what you said to feel seen is to almost feel validated in your experience. And I think there's still a lot of work to do in in creating that space for all of us yeah. to feel seen. And it's a hard job. I'm not going to oh, lie. <laughs> I'm like, it's a hard job. There's a lot of us. Geographically, it impacts how we look at our identities because mm-hmm. depending on where you are and what that looks like, um, and we had a retreat for our nonprofit. One of our phenomenal speakers talked about her experience being somewhere, um, but somewhere in the Midwest, some sort, or no, she was in the Carolinas, I'm sorry, um, mm-hmm. and tried to reach out to the Latino community, working with them, and how immediately the response would be, but I am American, which is not normal for the oh. East Coast, right? I go in, I am Dominican first. Yes, I was born and raised here. I'm American, you know. Mm. You know, I think that, you know, as first gen, we're part of that middle, right? I'm not really Dominican. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not considered Dominican, Dominican, but I'm not American. We're in this, always in this middle, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, we're not fully part of either. We're fully part of both because that yeah. is just our reality. Um, But how for her, it was so much work of trying to understand coming from the East Coast, coming from New York, New Jersey, of like, what do you mean you're American? No, but you are from here. Like, but in that space, because of immigration, because of those communities, it was very important for them to establish initially in that conversation. I am American. I'm American. I have papers. I'm American and I have the status because of Mm. what that community looked like compared to here. That's not, again, not that it's not a challenge, not that we don't have challenges with immigration. It just looks different where we can, I can walk in any space and I don't have to second guess. I am Dominican. And at some point, yes, I was Mm -hmm. born and raised here, yada, 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 but that is not my introduction. (laughs) My introduction is that I'm Latina and Dominican. It's just, this just is. very Again, that experience is very different. So how we identify what, what we, when we choose to speak and how we sit at tables looks very different depending on a lot of different things. This episode of Hello Latino is brought to you by McDonald's. Buy one, get one for $1 deal. Y para los que solamente hablan español, para que sepan, este episodio está presentado por la oferta Compra Uno y Llévate Otro por Un Dólar. It's always weird to me when the person you're eating with orders the exact same thing as you at McDonald's. O sea, if I'm getting a Big Mac, 
don't get a Big Mac, diversify, se creativo, be creative, and throw some respect on your order. Stop by McDonald's today and enjoy two favoritas for only $6. Y'all can also order a quarter pounder, 10-piece McNuggets, or a Big Mac. Y recordate que tenes que dibujar tu propio camino. Don't be ordering the same thing as your homie. Visit a McDonald's today y disfruta. And it's so funny because I feel like anytime I describe my identity to anybody, it's so drawn out. It's like, well, I'm Honduran, um, but I wasn't born in Honduras. I was born in San Diego, in Southeast San Diego. Like, I go into this whole... But I think that's why I identify so much with being first generation, because it is so much of my experience in moving in, he said, that middle ground and not being hella Honduran, right? Because my family would call me out like, like, you know what I mean? But like, (laughs) but like, I'm not, I've always been the super Latina one in my friend group. And I've also been the different one in my Latina friend group because they're like, oh, you say, well, you don't say do. And again, it's so, it's so the middle ground of like, I'm all of it. I'm I'm all of it, you know? And that's what's the beautiful thing about being first generation. And you talked about finding your purpose and how it led you to your career now, your nonprofit. Let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about <laughs> how you found your purpose and what it's led to. Of course. Um, so I think like many, I, I'm doing, um, hopefully next year I'm to this, but I'm doing my doctoral work and I found it to be so interesting because I, I was privileged Educated enough. Educated Latina over here. <laughs> I was privileged enough in my research to interview women from across the United States in the nonprofit sector. Um, And one of my questions to them is, what is their professional identity? Um, And it was so interesting to see how many of us, um, being first gen, regardless of race and ethnicity, ended up in places. And we've all ended up in nonprofit or nonprofit in connection to health, to education, to whatever it is by accident because we just wanted to help and provide. And I think that my story in a sense is no different than the amazing woman that I got to interview because I started social service and I had struggles with social service because as a young professional, I wanted to take all these kids home. <laughs> I just wanted Aww. to, like, I, I, our systems are, you know, what they are, that they're not helpful, especially in mm-hmm. urban community. I was working in a very, ur- uh, not a very, in urban communities, helping families with kids with behavioral and mental health challenges. And for me, it was a lot. It was trusting a system that always isn't moving at the speed that it should that is sometimes mm. checking boxes, you know what I mean? And it was just too much. And I I kept calling back here to um, the university that I attended and reaching out to my old counselor and just the staff of like, as first gen, we never stopped being first gen, right? Which is what led me to opening my organization. But that beginning of experience, you figured out college and you have so much support, right? The reality is that high school college, it is not the best support. It is not as extensive as it should be, but there's always a program. There's always some type of support to help you navigate. You know what I mean? Your first years of college. But then you graduate and then you're still first gen in your first career, looking at graduate school, finances. We're never going to, because we're we're fearless trailblazers, right? We're navigating these spaces for the very first time that, yes, I got education, but now I'm opening another door. And now I need to figure out something else and something else. Um, So I ended up technically getting my job in higher education. I was only hired for a year. It was a contract. Somebody had left. They needed someone to come in. And it was God. (laughs) Um, because that was 2010 and I am still here, <laughs> um, being very <laughs> lucky to be on a journey with students, right. And coming from a very personal space, because I was that I come from the very similar communities. I mm-hmm. understand. So when I'm either speaking to students or I'm speaking to, and I'm very real, very honest with them, um, even their parents and I'm real quick, like, do you want me to call your mom and explain like, this is not going to happen. <laughs> like this is, <laughs> it don't work that way because my mom was that person. So I understand. And i I'm very transparent. I, I believe in the power of our stories and that's how we connect, right? And I want them to be in a space of an, like, I'm not telling you this because it's my job. That was my experience. I talked to parents. My mom had the same feelings, but this is how it looks a little bit different. And this is what the responsibility is, liability or all whatever that looks like. So I get the opportunity to support students and families, advocate for them, doing that within our program, within the university level, um, and doing that within the community. Um, after a couple of years of being here, I realized that, again, I'm first in everything now, um, but so is my tribe. The, I'm, I have phenomenal friends um, that are like my sisters, they're my tribes, and we're all struggling in the same way. 
So yeah. it's just like, so it's not me. And then I kept getting the more students that graduate, more students coming back of like coming back in like, okay, I need help. I got a job. I want to go back to grad school. Or how do we navigate going back to our communities when we are no longer fully part of those communities? Mm. Right. Because that in between it is rough because you're so rough. (laughs) You're exposed to a world that you were never exposed. Right. When I was living in Passaic, I did not think of traveling the same way. I did not think of the world in this way. Not that I did not want more, but I, I could not see more. Right. We cannot imagine and dream things that we cannot see. And I did not see certain things in my community. That was a reality. I saw hard work. I saw family ethics. I saw all these things that were important. But this bigger picture, I have the privilege to see the bigger picture, right? I, I'm always, we have to acknowledge our privilege because of higher education and everything else. Mm. My mom did not have the privilege to tell me about experience the world. That is not something she was trying to survive. A lot of our families are trying to survive and move on day to day. So I was like, I have to do something. I have to do something for my friend group. I have to do something for me. I have to do mm. for these new generations that are graduating and still finding themselves kind of lost. Where do we do that? And for me specifically, right. women, because our experience are different. Um, I can't speak on the male experience, not that it does not come with its challenges, but it is different, right? Because regardless and in a space, I have to prove myself as a Latina. I have to prove myself as first gen. I have to prove myself as a woman. I have to prove myself as someone that's so in- There's all these different layers of how we need to walk in spaces and prove ourselves. And again, and that the men of color and first generation men don't have to, but for us, it's still an additional layer that we have to like navigate. It just is what it is. So yeah. I was just like, okay, I'm going to start this organization. And it was in my head, girl, for like a good three years. <laughs> and I was, I was scared of like, where do you start? How do you like, and thinking that the dream is too big, right? And that's mm. us having to get past that, that the dream is not too big, um, that we can do it, that we can just jump, that it is not going to happen overnight. But a part of me feeling like, who am I, this little girl from the sake, thinking that I can start something and make this difference? You know what I mean? Mm. Having those, I think those high ranges, I, I fluctuate. Like, I think like many of us, of, I got yeah. this and I'm going to change the world. And on other days, like, you think you could do that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Not today. Like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't have it. It ain't happening. <laughs> like, okay. I'm your girl, I, I'm surviving. And in other days, I'm like, on top of the world. We're, we're, I'm taking You're driving, a- surviving the driving. <laughs> right. Which I it's think level. we could talk about that every day we're not going to be in a thousand. That's not real. Oh, girl. Right? Not putting these unex- unrealistic expectations on us, on ourselves, mm-hmm. right? We have to start with ourselves. Yeah. Um, but it was a November of, this November, make three years. And I, I sent a message to two of like my close friends and I was like, because I had talked to them about this and I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump. Are you, are you serious? Because I need social security numbers. I need two like founding board members for the paperwork. So are y'all with me? Um, and they are amazing. So they like said yes. And then we jump in and started Generation Fearless, supporting and empowering first generation women through mentoring and resources. Um, and that was right before the pandemic. That has come with its challenges um, and being, you know, we all work full time. We all wear all these hats, right? We work full time. We take care of our families. Mm. We're all going to school, navigating all of that. So we have not been moving as fast, but we've been impacting women little by little. And to me, that's all that matters. Um, being able to connect, create community, provide resources, because that, that's the goal for us. It is nothing. Yes. Do I want in the future? The dream dream is to be across the United States to be international, to be that big. But right now, if there are four women that like went on our website and were like, oh my God, I'm going to go do therapy. And I found a resource that speaks to me as a black woman or a Latina or an Asian woman. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize this resource were there. And they found it on our site. I am like thrilled. I am happy because that that's it. That's, that's the purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been growing with different programs, but every day that's what fills my cup. What filled my cup is connecting with students and being able to see their growth, but seeing the growth of women that come from communities like me that are taking that leap of faith, that are fearless, right? They're experiencing Mm. the fear and still doing it because there's fear in so much, but we are still doing it. And I'm worried about X, Y, and Z, but I'm going to jump and start my business or I'm going to go back to school. Yes, girl. Or I'm going to take a speaking (laughs) engagement or I'm going to do a workshop for my community. I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to go like be a mom and do X, Y, and Z. And to me, that's what makes us such fearless trailblazers because we're doing it regardless and we're opening a path for the future generation. I want my kids to have a different experience. I want to break some generational curses that have been passed on not intentionally, but because they didn't know any veteran because they had to carry 
I want to unload some things. I don't want to carry those bags. Right. They ain't carrying bags, right? <laughs> and You're like, bags, Lord, gotta, take it. Take it. Yeah, yeah, like some bags I got to hold here because I can't give those bags to my kids because I don't yeah. want them to have, give them to their kids. And how do we start looking at health differently, right? Yeah. Building generational health and wealth and education in a way that we are still our authentic selves in all these spaces and are feeling comfortable and confident to navigate everything when yeah. the systems are not built for us, right? Because at the core, that's what it is. So how do we find it within ourselves to navigate and do? So I feel that that's what gives me purpose. That's what that's what makes me happy. <laughs> it's Girl. corny, but it, it's true. <laughs> it is not corny. It is, it is so fire. And I just have to remind you, like, do you know how powerful, like how powerful this platform is? Like, I just yeah. got to ask you. I, because like, as you were speaking, I felt like, girl, I was thinking about myself in college and how I thought, oh, I got all the help. I'm going to be so successful. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Went into the real real world. It humbled me real quick. <laughs> real right? <laughs> My life got hands. Life got hands. And I was not prepared. I was not prepared for any of it. And I think it's so much of what you're saying. Like, I felt like being first generation, I learned what that was in college. I, I didn't know growing mm -hmm. up, I'm first generation. I just thought I'm Honduran. That's it. That was as far as my identity went. And I remember going to, to school, learning about what first generation meant. And then feeling like you said, I had all the programs. I joined all of them and I felt so supported. I had a, a great group of people around me, great circle, great mentorship. And then I graduated and I no longer saw anyone who looked like me. There was no longer programs or anything that I knew of that were there for me. And realized that I'm still first generation corporate now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I say that all the time. Like, I'm first gen tech. I'm first gen corporate. I'm first yeah. gen entrepreneur. First gen business owner. Like, there's so much that we learn and navigate through. And I think what is... I don't want to generalize a whole group of first-generation folks, but I think for me, so much of my experience was hard. It was like really fucking hard. And I didn't have my parents to lean on because I didn't want them. No quiero que se preocupen. I don't want to, I don't want mommy, papi, or my brothers and sisters to feel the type of way about how I'm doing. Like, I want them to know, la niña, she graduated. She's good. While meanwhile, I'm like, oh my God, I don't what know what to do in my life. <laughs> Right. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And uh, it's so much like I just want to remind you how powerful your platform is, because I feel like yeah. it's something that I know so many of the first gen kids, I, we all craved a space to just feel seen, to feel coached, to feel mentored and someone to just walk with us. Because I think and what's also powerful about you being in this space in education is that we can't see what we can't or we can't be what we can't see. It's see. Yeah. And I think it's like, girl, like I, I walked into this corporate space after college and I'm like, where are all the Latinos at? <laughs> where are they at? Yeah. And feeling like I couldn't relate to anybody I was around. And it was so different from like having a Latino who was mentoring me through school to now I'm like, uh, Manuel, can you call me? Like, I don't know yeah. how to do this. And just again, like, I just think it's so powerful, so dope that you're here in this space. And I know that academic space can be real political, real challenging. So yeah. the fact that you're there and you're providing that resource for all the kids that you got, but also <laughs> being the representation that I think so many of these spaces need because you can't see what you can't. I keep saying it wrong. You can't be what you can't see. <laughs> you can't be what you can't see. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's so real. It's so real. So just kudos to you, girl, for being that <laughs> Thank person. Thank you. Just trying. <laughs> yeah. And I think what's also powerful, like your your nonprofit is called um, Generation Fearless. And I think you were talking about your mom, about our parents, about their fearlessness. And I just want to add a few words like generational fearlessness. And I think that's what we have in yes. our community is there's definitely generational trauma, generational okay. cycles. We got to break like, yes, <laughs> that's a whole different episode, but there's also so much fearlessness that is passed down to us. And I think I tell, I tell this story often about me leaving my last job and not having a job lined up. And people are like, Estás loca? are you crazy? <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? My parents sacrificed everything 
and left their hometown and built a whole new life and they had all that fearlessness, I'm just doing the same thing in my own way, where I'm stepping away from a place that no longer serves me, that no longer is helping me grow. I'm doing it with the intention of something better will come because that's how we grow up. With a hope and a prayer. Yeah, yeah, with a hope, oraciones, you know, like some tears, some suffering, but oraciones y fe. And it's so... I feel like I've been owning that a lot lately of like the generational fearlessness is so who I am and I'm able to take risks. I'm like, it surprises me how many people don't, you know? And I'm like, oh, it's because my parents taught me. My parents taught me that you're going to be okay and you got to keep doing what's best for you. There's more to their decisions that, you know, are obviously different than mine. I'm coming from a place of privilege, but I think it's also that same principle of we can move, we can be resilient because, girl, we've been knocked down before by life. And the core values keep... are the same, right? The core values are the same. Not, the work ethic, all of that is, it looks different, yes, because we have the different levels of privilege. But I think it's so important about our communities, right? The community that we build around ourselves that empower us, remind us that it's going to be okay. And then validate those feelings because some of that, my mom can't validate some of the feelings, right? Because oh, yeah. of because of the privilege that I have now that she did not. So it's just like you can't do certain things, but being around other for me, other first gen, other women, other women of color, the understanding, the experience, it's just like, girl, we're gonna figure it out. We figure it out together as a community. What resources, right. you know, yeah, right. who's gonna help me get on to the next? But that's so important because that's how we that's how we're gonna be able to move as people. I mm. think this in addition to being fearless. There's so much fear that is unintentionally planted, right? Because oh. we, <laughs> yes, that we need to still stay within line, right? And going into the real, the real worlds and work, it is there's great, but we are, which I we are the exceptions. I'm not the damn exception, you know what I mean? I'm one of many other Latinas, first generation Dominicans, women from urban areas, but you know we're seen as the exceptions in certain spaces, and it's just like we need to start making those shifts and just mm. being ourselves. I wish the 36-year-old Pulaska would be would have had an opportunity to speak to the 21-year-old Pulaska. And for me, that's so important within our organization. And that's why, yes, we work with young ladies, but for me, it's that young professionals and having that combination of, I wish I knew then what I knew now. I would have walked into spaces much differently with much more confidence. Yeah. I might have left the job a little bit early. I would have done all these things. But to me, that's so mm-hmm. important of being, I always tell my girls here and at the nonprofit that like, I want us to be so grounded in the woman that we are that the world's going to fall apart and we're still standing, right? The mm. family can have opinions that people, the people at work, because everybody's going to have an opinion. Everybody's like, what people think oh, of me. especially our families. Yeah. They're going to have it. <laughs> yes, everybody has something. Everybody has two rusty pennies, I'd say. Like, <laughs> I need to get into the space that like, what people think of me is not my business. And again, I am human. Do so I have a moment that is like, okay, is mommy going to be upset at this? She's going to understand because we're human. We talk sometimes yeah. about authenticity as like, it is when never wrote and we're always in this space. And that's not reality, right? We all fluctuate because we're all human. Mm-hmm. But on 80% of the days, I need to be grounded that the decisions that I'm making are aligned with my values, are aligned with my yeah. purpose, aligned with what yeah. I want to do. And that's okay. If it, people don't need to understand it, they might not. I don't need them yeah. to understand it. They might not see the vision, but I do. And that's important. And we need to mm. empower our people to do that. That you see your vision, that you left your job and you can see that something bigger and better was going to happen. And it wasn't for anybody to understand or believe in, but you knew at the core that that was going to be a better move for you. And I think we need to do more of that, mm. supporting ourselves in, that, in those spaces. Mm, talk about it, girl. It took me, <laughs> by the way, three months to make that decision. I felt oh, it and I wanted to do it, but I was like, oh, that fear, the fear is still yeah, there. Real. The very core of me is like, girl, got to leave. Like it just, it, that's mm-hmm. the best thing for you. The other side of me, this is the mommy and papi talking in my head. Are you crazy? Estás loca. You have salary, you have benefits, you have this, you have that. Yeah. All of that was in my head. All you had of that. the dream. Why would you give it up? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just like, and, and you know, my a conversation I had with my dad is actually what changed my opinion and made me say yes. He he didn't get it at first. Him and my mom were like, oh, you have a great job, a great manager, great this. And all of that was true. Yet I knew I wanted more. Yet I knew I could get more. And 
I remember again, like going back and forth with this decision. And then my dad told me, he's like, you know what? He's like, you've always been hella terca, which is like hella stubborn. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and I think like, despite what me and your mom are going to say, I know you're going to make you your own decision, down. you know, yep. <laughs> I'm like, you're right. And he told me though, he's like, you know, I was thinking about it. And he said, we, me and your mom made all these sacrifices so that y'all can have a different life than us. And we worked these jobs that we didn't want to work because there was no choice. And he was like, if you're working on a job that you don't want to work at, we're almost doing the same thing. We're almost perpetuating that same cycle of you working a job that you don't want to be at. And I was like, go ahead, Ted. I was like, yes, that's exactly what it is. Um, and he, I think that conversation though, and I did give my dad so much love and, and just appreciation because he's always known what to say and when to say it, because I feel like we can get so stuck. My mom, my mom was still opposite. She's like, she's so crazy. Like, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> but I think it's, it's just grace to my dad because he told me that and it really made me feel more confident in just pulling the trigger. Cause I'm like, no, it's, he's right. Like, this is what I want to do. And he is perpetuating the same cycle. If he's like, no, keep working the job. Yeah. You don't want to work. And again, it comes from that place of like, they're protecting us and you know, their parents, but they're, it it's is fear for them too. Cause it's it, fear it, for them. You yeah. don't know the space, but I think the sacrifice ultimately is supposed to be to give us choice. I don't right. think it's seen as that, right? Yeah. I think it's, their fear stops us. That's what I'm saying. They plant these, these things of fear within our communities. We all do it. And it's not because we don't think that we can. And I think sometimes that impacts how we see ourselves and the, the steps that we take because we see other people don't believe in us. But I think a lot yeah. of the time it's coming from this fear of, I, once you leave your job, I may not be able to help and support you. And I don't know what that looks like. Right. You, know, I mean, right. you decided to go to school or you decided to move somewhere. Mommy, when I decided to move or sometimes I've looked that job out of state and she's just like, why do you got to go work so far? There's nothing else in New Jersey that you get <laughs> And not seeing, you know what I mean? And oh. At first, I would take it so personal. Like, do you not think that I am capable of or all those things? But after a while, it's just like, this has nothing, again, it had nothing to do with me. <laughs> it has everything mm-hmm. to do with them. But technically, the, all the sacrifice that my mom has made is for me to be able to have the choices that she didn't have. That's, yeah. it, that's the privilege that I have to be able to say, okay, I'm going to apply to a job where I don't want, I'm going to live here. Where because of her education, because of the language, because of a million and one things, she didn't have that choice. Yeah. Um, I think our parents aren't always there <laughs> of understanding that at the core, that's really the purpose of their sacrifice. Yeah. Um, but it comes from fear and it doesn't, they mean always well, I think, you know. Oh, always. Just, and I think, again, it comes from what you said. It's just them protecting us and saying, well, why can't I help you if it doesn't work out? You yeah, know? that's all the work. I'm say. <laughs> I know. And girl, I'll tell you that that experience is hard. It was, I didn't just get a job right away. And I was like, oh, I got it. Like it took me eight months and I was living with them at the time. And that shit was hard because I felt like, oh, I can't tell them I didn't get that other job I applied to. You know, like it was, yeah. I had fear too. I was like, did I make the right decision? Get out. It all worked out, girl. <laughs> and that's why I'm like, God's got me. Gotta yes, stay confident in that and stay firm in that. But I think it's also like, it, it's what you're saying because so much, at least this is my experience, like so much of what I do is for my parents and not just building generational wealth, but it's looking back and making sure that my parents will always be good. And that's my motivation. I'm like, I'm, it's between two worlds again, right? Like yeah. I, this is my past. This, these are my parents that I am their 401k Odalis, you know, like that's who I am, yeah. but also building this generational power and wealth and knowledge for all the folks that are going to come after me. And it's this in-between first-gen world that I feel like is can feel like a lot of pressure, but I felt like I've learned how to turn that pressure into almost a motivation and doesn't mean it doesn't get hard. And sometimes that pressure is too heavy. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just watch Netflix today. It's like, <laughs> I'm done trying to work hard. Yeah. Like, <laughs> But other days it's, it's what motivates me and fuels me to get up and do these meetings and do these podcasts and do all the things that I'm doing. And it's just who we are. It's the generation. Which I think we're all love. so grateful for because it, yeah. again, believing in the power of our stories and to hear like some of the people that you have had and it's just like, so it's not just me, right? It's not just mommy yes. being crazy or it's not just me feeling <laughs> some days that I don't have it. And it's a lot of, again, it's not monolithic, but some of us experience so many of the same things yeah. that when you're in a space and nobody looks at you, 
when you're in a space that there is such a cultural shift professionally, such different social norms, you're like, it has to be something wrong with me. And having these spaces where you, you know, yes, connect with friends, but you know, if you have friends in different sectors, I'm in higher ed education. That looks very different than one of my close friends that is in finance. Very different mm. than my friend's accounting. You know what I mean? We experience, depending on these spaces that are in urban communities, given to our people, we're going more yeah. corporate. But your space gives us the opportunity to hear stories and find the similarities and say, you know, it gives me hope that as people, we are moving, right? But the pressure is not yeah. on me because all oh, that is doing something to move our people too. You know what I mean? And all these other people are doing a little bit that yeah. if we were just to focus on that, that, you know, get up the next day because I'm handling this part because this is what I can handle. But she's right. doing other stuff with the platform and he's doing something else within business. And I think it's, it's so Girl. empowering, uh, you know. We out to, here. That's yeah, what I learned from my podcast. Really I'm like, we are out here and we're all, I feel like we're all in a way creating things that we wish we had. And I, I talk about that all the time. I'm like, I, I'm hearing your story and hearing what you've built with generational, generation, I was going to say generational fearlessness, <laughs> generation fearless. That's what you've built because you felt like you needed that space when you were navigating some of these experiences and girls similar to me. Like I created this podcast because I was craving to feel seen, to feel heard, to feel validated, to feel like I can't be the only crazy one dealing with all these emotions. Like, and it's been a healing space for me, but I feel like I, I listen to every story on the podcast and I hear that same sense of this is what I needed. So mm -hmm. I created it, whether yes. it's an app, whether it's art, whether it's this or that, like we're all creating things and spaces for our people that we wish we had. And I think that's beautiful. And if that's not first gen, I mean. It's going to make the difference, right? That's, that, that's right. creating a generational shift generational shit girl i could talk about this all day with you because <laughs> you about it and i know we're we're approaching time and i want to end with two quick questions one how can people connect the generation fearless how can people connect with you how can they join all of it <laughs> so if um all our friends are members right on my hoodie too um but generationfearless.org <laughs> um you'll be able to see one a lot our values are there our programs um we are looking for we're closing out the year when we have one more um of our fearless we have fearless conversations online table talk all topic driven of being able to have the space hear our stories hear experiences from each other being able to create a space where we feel again validated seen that it's not just me um and some women to join us you know sometimes we have four people sometimes it's 20 people it really depends on the topic and some women are just quiet and Sometimes you don't have nothing to add. You are drained and you just want to like sit there and like soak it all in. And sometimes you like, let uh -huh. me tell you what is happening <laughs> and what I'm experiencing. So I think that's yeah. the beauty of the space. Um, but next year we are looking, we're so proud and so excited to um, bring to life our Growth and Development Institute, which will be a three-day, two-nights, um, comprehensive, um, transformative curriculum for women where we will focus on our first-gen identity and mental health and our health in general, getting at the core of everything, then transitioning into our professional development and what we that looks like with professional identity, philosophy, executive presence, negotiating, and then ending our last day with our financial health, right? Because if we do, if we're grounded in the woman that we are and our identities and we're comfortable, then we can be better in professional settings because mm -hmm. we know how to navigate both that. But if we know how to navigate these organizational cultures and norms and then be able to sit at a table and say, I deserve this and this is what I bring to the table and this is how much I get paid, we should be shifting. And how do we look at now insurance and <clears throat> all of the, these different components of finances that, you know, I know nothing about investment. I know nothing about certain things because mommy, mommy has little sobres, like little envelopes. Oh my God. And like, that's where the money goes so she can get her wet money and she can pay all these little things. I know my mom's probably listening to this feeling so seen in this moment. <laughs> and that's how I learned. Los so sobrecitos. Like, yes. And I'm going to be like, okay, tengo dinerito. Well, mommy, what's the dinerito? It'd be like $40 in this thing. Well, you know, to her, she got this little money just in case. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we, we need to shift from those things. And those are great things that build our foundation. But how do we start looking beyond? So we're very excited of next October bringing that to life in our retreat mm -hmm. again next May. So all that information is on our site. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and my information's there as well for LinkedIn, Alaska Ramirez. If I can ever be of any service, I would say to anybody, also the organization, whether it's listening, right? We do a coaching for people that are trying to go back to school. And a lot of what I've been doing, it's just listening. You need someone to be like, okay, no, you're not crazy. It's okay. This is a dream. 
mm-hmm. and being realistic of how do we get to that dream the fastest way and the most yeah. realistic way? Because sometimes people are like, oh, well, you shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. We, we don't need to do that. It's how do we get there? What is this going to look like financially, emotionally? What is the support that you're going to need? Because we need to move within industries. So you need right. that certification. So how do we support each other. The dream for Generation Fearless is to get financially stable enough to be able to pay for women to be able to go back to school, to be able to do these things. So that's the dream. Right now, we're just working on, we got through State Farm and one of our um, agents uh, that we were working with, Omar, Omar Hwadbe, um, we got 20 laptops. So we are very grateful and very lucky. So we'll be, so wow. just go on our website, check us out on Instagram. We'll be having out an application to be, give out laptops for first-generation women in school and first-generation entrepreneurs. Um, because, you know, that everything, we need to do that not from our phone. We need to, how are we going to grow this? How are we going right. to make things big? Um, mm. And how do we support you? And how do you look at our resources? So uh, just Generation Fearless, if you just Google us, we'll come up and then, you know, feel free to reach out in whatever way we can help and support, we're here. <laughs> Girl, I'm about to join. You said yeah, me. You on, said me. <laughs> We would love to have October. It's going to be amazing. Those three days, like we are getting ready, but we are looking forward to having such powerful women in the space and making sure Mm. that we leave that space, that we feel that nothing can take us down, that we walk back into our jobs and make certain decisions, that we either go back to school, that we make these things. And every day is going to end with a plan. Our first day, you're ending with a self-care plan because we need our plan to take care of ourselves. We're so taught to take care of everybody else. And that is part of being the trailblazer. I'm walking right. through a door, but I got to bring a, the whole and daddy with me. Mm. But if I'm not okay, then I can't bring nobody with me. So we got to start there. Yeah. And then how do we then yeah. move? But I think it's going to be so powerful to be able to have moments. So, you know, we're we not that far. You, you should come. Aquí estamos. Aquí estamos. New York, I hope everybody, I hope everybody listening is already Googling Generation Fearless because <laughs> I think it's such a, again, you created such a powerful space, girl. And yeah. uh, shout out to you, your girls. And my for, team. I have a phenomenal yeah. team. The women on my board are absolutely amazing. Clara, Sonia, Amina, they are absolutely amazing. We're adding a new person to our board, Gabby. All these women first generation fearless working so I, I don't do it by myself at all it is it's my tribe of women that believe the same things and are working extremely hard so it's a team effort oh if your circle <laughs> don't inspire you and on, lift now. you up <laughs> Oh my God. I could talk to you for days, girl. And I am (laughs) manifesting that one day you're going to get to that financial goal and help women go into school. Just so we can give. That's all we want. We want more in order to be able to give. Right. And I want to end with the last question. And that is, what do you want to cheers to con nuestro cafecito? What do you want to cheers to? She's staying <laughs> hydrated out here. Yeah, um, it's yeah. actually a tecito because I've been oh, drinking so much coffee, girl. I need to take a break. Um, but I want to give you the space. What do you want to cheers to? What do you want to manifest? I've never done this before, but I'm going to throw in my manifestation. And that's, again, for you in Generation Fearless to get that financial abundance so that y'all can give back to the community. I'm manifesting that for myself. Thank I never you, insert my you. manifestations, all right? But I'm doing it in this case. I appreciate that. I think um, for me, I want to manifest. Oh, oh, so much is going on that I think that is everything is so important. But I think most importantly that all the women that we speak to that feel inspired. They feel inspired to make a shift in their lives that is going to be drastically changing for them and their generations to come. I think Mm -hmm. that I don't want to just tap and make a day better. I want to shift the generation with every conversation. And I want us to have the tools and resources to be able to do that. I want the women that we work with, that I talk to, to feel that after this connection, that they're going to take that leap of faith, that we empower them in that sense. That even if I never speak to them again, if, even if they never connect, that they feel confident enough to then just shift because that's how we're going to move. That's what's going to make a difference. That's that's what we need for our people, for our people, first gen, people of color, people mm-hmm. of like, you know what I mean, from low income communities. We need to see, we need to see it. And I, I hope that we do something to create that shift. So that's what I'm manifesting. Call me a with that. Cheers, girls. Thank you again for creating all that you're creating. And uh, just 
manifesting abundance. Absolutely. And thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm such a fan, but I feel so privileged to be to uh, be on the platform Girl. and be part of the list of the amazing people that you have that are doing such great work that I also admire. So thank you. It's, it's been fantastic. Thanks, girl. Isn't Valeska like the dopest person you've ever heard from? Because I feel like sitting down with her for the second time was like sitting down with her for the first time all over again. Valeska, how I describe her, is just such a salient person, like so much salient information. And I just hope that you got all of these amazing nuggets from her and feel inspired to continue being a fearless generation. If you want more Generation Fearless content, follow them on LinkedIn, Instagram, or visit www.generationfearless.org. And see y'all next week for more Cafecito and Chisme. For all Hello Latino updates, follow Hello Latino Podcast on Instagram. And find me on LinkedIn and check out my website, odalisjasmine.com, for more information. Con mucho amor, tu amiga Andoreña.